0: you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Good morning. Just as a warning... Although I'm feeling very good, a little bit of a cold combined with my allergies made my voice a little sketchy at the funeral service for Audrey yesterday. So if it's touch and go, we'll be going to the water. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this opportunity once again to dig into your scripture and to yield to you. We pray, Father, that you would be glorified by what we do today, and that you would speak through my words too. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen. And I committed the cardinal sin and I brought my phone with me in my pocket here so I have to make sure, yeah, it's off. Because some of you do like to text me during the sermon. I really don't need to know that was a good point contemporaneously. <clears throat> I probably gave you just ideas now. just This is a story that uh, I read a while ago in a resource. The lady uh, needed supplies from a Sunday school cupboard. It was seldom used and was secured with a lock. She didn't know the combination, so she asked her pastor to help her Pastor Jack put his hands on the lock, raised his eyes toward heaven, and then confidently spun the dial and opened the lock. He said, I was so impressed with what was going on. How could he just pray and then know the number? He said, the combination's written on the ceiling. <laughs> We're talking about the power of prayer today. And it is more powerful than numbers on ceilings. But we're going to deal with many different parts of this. We're at the end of James. At the end of letters in their day is pretty much the way our letters end. You put in a lot of things. Sometimes they're related, sometimes they're completely unrelated. And these things have a loose connection to it and they're all on the subject of prayer or closely related to of that. So it's a little topical when we get to the end of James. The first part we see is prayer in times of trouble or hardship. There's a connection to verses 9 and 10 where the same root for trouble or hardship. In most translations, it's translated differently, but in verse 10, it's a noun. Here in verse 13, it's a verb. It's uh, suffering or hardship. And in verse nine, we're told not to grumble when we suffer. Of this chapter, that's a good advice. In verse ten, we're told to be patient when we're suffering, and this word occurs. In here, we're told to pray when we're suffering. So you can take all three together: don't grumble, (laughs) and uh, and pray, and be patient. These are good ways when hardship comes. And so, what we're seeing here is that prayer should replace the common reaction to hardship, which is grumbling or complaining about it. Sometimes we do it out loud. Sometimes we just have negative thoughts in our minds and we entertain them and we roll them over in our heads this type of negative self talk about our world and about ourselves, about what happens. And so instead, when we have these things come, what we're supposed to do is not do that. And how do we get the patience that we're asked to do in verse 10? The way we do this is by going to God in prayer. And so when we're troubled, our go-to method should be to start with prayer. We should bring the troubles to God. Before we grumble, before we complain, we bring them to him. And this is the first start how we deal with trouble. Prayer is very powerful in times of trouble. I found that before. I'd like to tell you that this is my first response to hardship or trouble or even any frustration, but oftentimes it's not my first response. It's one of the things that I have to waste some time grumbling first before I remember not to do that and go to the Lord in prayer. But is anyone among you in trouble? This could be translated, is anyone among you suffering? Let them pray. They say that uh, prayer changes things. Sometimes it changes us. I've seen that many times. It just changes my attitude. But I do think that prayer connects us to God, and I think it can change more than my attitude. Sometimes that's all that's needed is my attitude being changed. But sometimes praying to God can change the world and take away the trouble. And so we should pray in times of trouble instead of all the other alternatives. We could add worry to this as well, too, couldn't we? It's not just grumbling. Sometimes we worry in times of trouble. There's a lot of negative things we do. But instead, we take it to God in prayer. I don't think God even minds if we come to him sort of grumbling in prayer. As long as we're expressing our hearts. You read some of the psalms, and some of those sound an awful lot like grumbling to God or complaining. There are a whole category of psalms that are complaints. And there are entire books in the Minor Prophets where they're just saying, God, what is going on? But when you're talking to God, then you can listen to God, and he can reorient us. And so whether our attitude starts bad or not, bringing God into the equation is the thing that solves it. And prayer is the beginning step. Our second point is that we should pray in times of joy. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. You say, that's not prayer. Well, it is. Um, I looked at all of our songs that we sang in the sanctuary today and down in the video cafe And well more than half of the time we are actually praying our songs because God is the one we're talking to. About 40% of the time we're talking about God and about his goodness or about our life situation in the presence of God. But they say songs of praise. And so you want to share your joy with God. The test of a close relationship is who you want to share your emotions with. When you have sad emotions, who do you go to? When you have happy emotions, who do you want to tell your stories to? I've told you before, but my best friend growing up, you know, when his wife became pregnant, he came by my place of work and interrupted me at work to give me a cigar, even though neither of us smoke. (laughs) Because he wanted to announce that he was having a baby. some, in one of the moves that got lost, it was actually really expensive Cuban cigar. He stopped by and saw me before he told his parents, something that his mother took me to task for. I said, you're talking to the wrong person. But you see why he did it. He's just overjoyed and excited. Nobody can blame somebody for going to the people that they love and sharing their joy, right? And because we were so close, he wanted me to share his joy. He wanted me to hug him, give him a pat on the back, and congratulate him. And then we see when God is real in our lives, this is the way it should be. When we're happy, we should share that with God. We should enjoy it with him and celebrate. Sometimes we come to worship, and we come heavy. Sometimes we come full of joy, and we just pour it out in his presence, and we experience with God the greatness of all the things we're thanking him for. Many of the psalms, we talked about the ones that are complaints, but many of them are directly to God, and other ones alternate talking to God and then talking about God. As you look at our current songs and hymns, all of those have the same thing going on. And by the way, psalms, um, there's two words in Hebrew used for this, tehillim and mizmor, these are just things that are aimed at God. They're melodies that are in God's presence. And so when we bring God into it, we increase our joy. And so what we see from this is that prayer should be very natural. It shouldn't be something that you have to learn to do. And sometimes I think it's problematic when all the models of prayer we have are so high and formal. It's great to have that, and it's great to have prayers that are pre-written. My grandfather came down to the Reformed Episcopal Church, and they used the common book of prayer. And the fact that somebody crafted a prayer so well, and then it represents and can bring out your art, it's a beautiful thing. This is a low church, high church, and low church environment, so we don't typically use that. Some people who pray will use that. And those are good. But you also have to learn to communicate just on the flow of life because prayer is just saying thank you, Lord, in the middle of the day, just out of the blue. And so prayer is something that should happen in the hardship and the joys of life as a natural thing. Sometimes you take time to express it completely, just like you might occasionally write a poem sharing your love with your spouse. Any of you have done that in the last year? There's not many of us. (laughs) It's a good thing. And so, do we have balance for that? And so, prayer in times of joy. Then we come into prayer in times of sickness. This would be one of the troubles, obviously, but it's a specific type of trouble. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. Some people ask, do we still do this? Yes, we do. In this church and other churches, we have done this. A lot of people don't even know that. You can ask and we can have people come. The way we normally do it is if somebody wants somebody to pray with them, they let us know. One of us schedules it, and then they tell the others, and we see who else can show up. Um, You don't want 10 of us and our spouse in your living room, (laughs) and so it doesn't need everyone. But it is an important thing. We're going to look at this in a little bit. First off, we see the special role of elders. Elders do a lot of things in the direction of a church. Both those who are pastors who are freed up full-time to serve you as elders, and then those who are appointed as volunteers, people who are not paid for it but have other jobs, they do important things, but one of the things is prayer. And if you read, even in our bylaws, one of the things that elders and pastors do is praying for other people. This is a specific type of prayer in a specific situation when somebody is sick, and I've been into hundreds of these, there were uh, three or four of our, my elders, a couple of their wives, and we were in the home of a widow a number of years ago. She was struggling with cancer and especially the symptoms of the treatment, as is usual with cancer. And so she had asked us to come in, and I've had the times where we've laid hands on and we've taken olive oil and rubbed it on the forehead as a sign of the Holy Spirit, Um, Look to Zechariah if you want to see how it's a picture of the Holy Spirit. You can see that even if you're not in a small group, in a life group, by going to the uh, homework section that's attached to where the video is on the website. And we've gone through that, and I've seen people healed right then. At this time, she got emotional relief and some physical relief immediately. But after we were done with this, one of the elders asked her how her family was doing. That's when we realized that God had really not called us there to pray about healing of physical things, which she did have considerable relief from. We spent most of the time praying for her son who had not contacted her in years and she didn't even know his phone number and address. I think it was that same afternoon. It was either that or the next day. Out of the blue, after years of no contact, he called her. <laughs> and that's a type of healing too, isn't it? Indeed, the, ver- the v- verb and the noun, the word, used for healing, and the Bible is used very similar to the way we use it. It's used for physical healing, but it's also used for emotional healing and spiritual healing. And so when we get into this passage, it seems to be sort of back and forth with a broad context, the way it's used. And so sometimes it really is this, and when you have the authorities of the church come together in the name of Jesus and praying over people, sometimes that's when I've seen profound healing, both physical, but in this time relational, where they got back together and had a restored relationship. And I think it was because of the prayers of the people and of the leaders of the church with her. Everyone has a role in praying for people who are sick, but the leaders have a special role of praying for people when they're sick physically, emotionally, and spiritually. What about the meaning of the oil? It's always olive oil, and uh, this is, by the way, grammatically subordinate to prayer, so it's not like pray and anoint with oil. Um, The oil goes along with the praying. And so what we get is That since oil, olive oil, is a sign of the Holy Spirit, remember how they would anoint people in the Old Testament, prophet, priests, and kings? And sometimes in other times, they would normally like pour it on the head. Remember the psalm, you know how beautiful the oil running down the beard of Aaron and stuff like that. And uh, because it's a sign of the Holy Spirit anointing and coming upon them and empowering them. And so when we do this, we're praying and we're putting the oil on, recognizing that if God doesn't work, there's no power in our words. See, this is how prayer is so vitally different than many other religions and certainly in the Wiccan type of thing where they think there's power in the words. The name of Jesus has power because of who he is, by the way, not because you say it. We see that even in the New Testament. People were trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus, and they were getting attacked by demons. They said, you've got to know Jesus. There's no power in the name. It's in the relationship. And so Jesus is powerful because of who he is. And so the oil reminds us if the Holy Spirit doesn't show up, then what we're doing is being wasted. And so it's a symbol, an important symbol that God will you reach out and heal it's also interesting that olive oil especially was used medic- medicinally commonly in there for many many type of things it's also known as the number one um hair straightening and and uh and you know it's sort of your goop you know and your gel the wet look must have been in because if your hair was bad you just put olive oil on it and you smell delicious no <laughs> They would scent it, by the way. I, it just reminds me of Italian restaurant. But the oil was used in this, and they would rub it into different things. By the way, I don't recommend this. I think we found some better ways, but it was not a bad thing when it was one of the best things they had at the time. And so it was also associated with healing, being a picture of the Holy Spirit and associated as a beneficial thing. It would be done, and then we'd submit before the Lord and say, Lord, will you do some work here to heal the people? And so they would go out, and Daniel, by the way, would anoint his head with olive oil before he would go out. We also see the role of faith here. Now, I know that this is one of the verses that is most abused by some people. Um, I've known people who have been told that the reason they're not healed is because they didn't have enough faith. The problem is most of the people told this are some of the people with the most faith I've ever met and it doesn't ring true. There is an opportunity, a problem here where if we don't believe, our prayers may not be answered. And Jesus does talk about people not having enough faith at times. He says, all you need is a little and it works. Here though, the problem is, and even though this verse is often commonly used to blame the person who is sick, The faith, if there's a problem, is with the elders, (laughs) okay? Because the prayer of faith is in the context of the elders coming and praying. So let's not blame the victim here. Um, This can be a problem. I also don't think that this is teaching that every illness is made to be healed if we follow this formula. I think that this says that God shows up when we do this And every illness will ultimately be healed. So is it a promise or is it an explanation? Is he promising every prayer of faith will result in healing? Or is he saying that the prayer offered in faith is the only way that we connect with God's power? And that's what I think is going on here today. And so we see that we can pray and God can work. This is an amazing thing, actually. To think that God sometimes is just waiting to move for our prayers. Sometimes He's waiting for the prayers of the leader of a church for a breakthrough. And because He set up these people as authorities in the church, will they pray? It's ready to go. God can do all things, but this is the way He's chosen to act. Sometimes He's waiting to help you, maybe to heal you, maybe to supply your needs, for you to just basically ask him and bring it in. He's waiting for me to stop complaining, stop worrying, and come to him. And I've seen that so many times. You may know that I started out as a church planter, pioneer church planter. We had four couples in a dream. The church is still there. Not too much credit to the 25-year-old pastor that started it. And it's thriving Um, despite me but it was a wonderful thing and so we see that there are times of sickness my phone just distracted me here we're going to put this away it may not ring anymore but it's uh, my ring doorbell just went off That is why I normally take my phone out of my pocket before I come here, so I apologize. Um, You're just lucky I didn't look to see who's at my door. (laughs) Oh, wait a second. The role of faith. When we come to God, we must believe that he can do all things. I don't think that's the same as believing that he will answer a specific way. There are times when I've been praying for someone when I got a sense of the Holy Spirit to pray very boldly for something. That has sometimes come for healing when I've seen dramatic healing. Sometimes it's been for other things. But the problem is when we don't believe that God can supply all our needs, and when we don't believe that God will heal all of our illnesses. And so the role of faith is very important because faith is the way that God's power, the conduit it follows. And it often is the prayer of faith that unleashes the power of God. And so it opens up something important. Yesterday I was talking on a similar subject at Audrey's memorial service. I said, I saw a video this week of a lady trying to cut down a tree with a chainsaw that wasn't started. And I think it was real because she was really frustrated and there were some bleeped out words. Sadly, you know, you, get, you don't get the after story. Can you imagine when she learned that you can put gas in this thing and oil? This is what I think we're talking about here. A lot of people don't realize the power available to them through Prayer. Through asking God. Through believing that God can do all things. And asking him to act in our lives and that of our families and that of our unbelieving friends in our health and everything else. And so we ask people to pray in faith. We also see prayer for sin introduced here. (laughs) My doorbell again. (laughs) Oh, If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Oh, there's that word healing again. Now, some people say this means that if we don't confess our sins, we may not be healed physically. Well, I think that's possible. Um, This gets into dangerous territory where we think that every illness is a result of sin, and I don't think that is true. I do think it's possible that God could send an illness because of our sin, though. I think we have to let the Holy Spirit work in that, and I'm not supposed to be pointing it out. It's very hard to add those things up, and that is a possibility, but I don't think that's what's going on here. I think he's just using the word healing for physical healing and now for emotional healing to realize that healing is holistic. I think he's teaching us something very important, And there's a healing that is spiritual as well. And so we see the same thing, Jesus, Matthew 9, verse 2. Some men brought to Jesus a paralyzed man lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the man, Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. What? Wait a second. They brought a paralyzed man. I do not think they were bringing him here to have his sins forgiven. Why do you take a paralyzed man to Jesus? And it is pretty impressive of the faith that you drag a paralyzed man to Jesus, because he's done some pretty amazing things, but to have someone that cannot move and walk, get up and walk and say, "We're going to take him to Jesus and let him handle it," that's powerful. But you notice the most important thing in this guy's life was not his paralysis. Isn't that interesting? And so I think the same thing's going on with James when he throws in healing in the context of sin. I don't think he's talking just about healing physically. He's talking about holistic healing. And that was the healing of the paralyzed man. And the most dramatic healing that happened to the paralyzed man that day was that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven because he could see into his heart and saw a repentant man. And the second most important was that he walked and jumped, and danced, and leaped. But I don't know if he's leaping because his legs work, if he's leaping because his sins were forgiven. Because I've had sicknesses healed, and I've had my sins forgiven, and I think the fact that all of my faults have been forgiven, all of my shame has been taken away, that's bigger still. That's more worthy of a party than if I had been healed from being lame and paralyzed. So we see forgiveness is even better than healing, and it is a type of healing itself. And so we confess to one another. You realize that we only need to confess to Jesus. I understand that. People say we don't confess to our pastors and our priests. Well, I understand that. Because we believe Jesus is the high priest, you don't need an intermediary anymore because he has come. But we do see people opening up their lives and whether that's in a one-on-one relationship or in a small group, we need to open up with our struggles and our sins. And one of the reasons we are not getting power over them is because we're not actually admitting these things. That's one of the pillars in 10... The, Strong points of CR where they make you open up about your issues. But this should happen in our families, too. And so we have to admit our need and confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Confess and pray. You have to admit you have a need. You have to pray, and God forgives and God heals both our bodies and our souls. Most sickness, by the way, I think is more related to the general fallenness of this world than any particular sin. And I think it reminds us not to get too attached to this world. And so godly, holy people that struggle with that are reminded again and again that this world is dying. And so it keeps our focus on what is to come. The power principle the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Let's first define righteousness. You think I'm going to do a definition from the dictionary? No, it's defined right here because we see in context it's someone who confesses their sins and prays. You see, immediately pursuing this, that is the prayer that is effective. Is the people that admit their issues and pray about it. So, the righteous man or the righteous woman is the person who is seeking to please God in everything they do and is hiding nothing about their life. Otherwise, there would only be one righteous person who ever lived, and that would be Jesus. We're made righteous by him. And so don't go all works righteousness on this and say we're saved by grace, but then our righteousness is all about how we live. If you deny your sin, you are not righteous. If you refuse to confess your sins, you are not righteous. If you admit the problem and you come before God again and again and say, heal me and redirect me and you mean it and you go back and you talk to other people about it, that pursuit of God is a righteousness. And so the prayer of someone who is seeking to please God in everything they do, to live out the faith that saved them, that is what is powerful. And so, yes, if you're pretending that you don't have sins that you know are there, if you're trying to rewrite the rule book and said, well, I sort of like to do this, so I don't want to call that a sin, then you're not righteous. But if you fall to it and then you come to the Lord and say, I failed again, forgive me, help me to grow stronger, that is someone who is on the road toward righteousness. And that is a person whose prayers are powerful. The principle is that power beyond your capacity is accessed by prayer. I don't think we quite realize this. A lot of times we look at our capacities and say, well, I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not the other thing. And the question is, are you in connection with God? Is he a part of your life? Is he strong within you? Because what you cannot do in your weakness, God can do. Indeed, Paul spent considerable time saying that when he is weak he is truly strong because when he recognizes he cannot do it by himself that is when the power of God is unleashed and how did this man become the great evangelist it is because the power was working through him and what is it that gives our prayer power it's not something we do It's simply that we pray and we believe God can do. And if you pray enough and you believe that God can work in your prayers, you will see things happen and things beyond what you could have done. And we also see this is how spiritual gifts work, where we work beyond our capacity. Then we have the example of Elijah. Are they really pulling the Elijah card and saying we should be like him? Yes, James is pulling the Elijah card. I mean, this guy did so many miracles. Go back into 1 Kings and read about. This is talking about 1 Kings 17 and 18. Elijah was a human being, was a man, a human, even as we are. He prayed earnestly it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. Now, I love that they pick Elijah because Elijah was not only an example of a man of faith, and a man of power, but also a man that burned out and had a lack of faith. And so he is not perfect. Our heroes have warts in the Bible, don't they? And they are realistic. But they said this man with all his faults, notice how his prayer stopped the heavens for three and a half years. And what he wants us to understand is that that same God works in our prayers. Now, mind you, I don't think God is asking you to say, don't let it rain for three and a half years. That has to be a specific leading of the Holy Spirit made pretty crystal clear. But if he did lead you to pray this, the same thing could happen, and that is James' argument. There is no difference Elijah had no advantage. He had the same God. Interesting point, isn't it? Because we think that Elijah was somehow categorically different than us. But no. Prayers are powerful for everyone. Here's our application suggestions. Consider... Is prayer your first response to joy and trouble? Just think about that in the presence of God forbid. Ask yourself, is that my first response? Do I want God involved in my life? Because we can live out God in our lives. Secondly, do you regularly pray with other people? You may pray alone, but do you pray with a small group? Do you pray with your spouse? Do you pray with a friend? Um... If you don't, make a deliberate effort this week to pray with someone else. There's power in this. And pray in a way that isn't just easy, but open up your life. Share with that person. Make sure it's a trusted person. But praying together is powerful. Thirdly, share a personal story of answered prayer with a friend, a relative, maybe even an unbeliever. Um, Ask them to share one with you. Tell the stories of our prayers. I would guess in this room there would be a lot of stories of answered prayer. I have dozens and dozens myself. And let's tell the stories and remind ourselves that God has been working. And God is still working. And this one who sent us Jesus wants us to become closer and closer to his image And to take his message out to other people. Let us pray as James encouraged. Take our benevolent fund offering.